This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Cheeseheads. Cheeseheads. Get on your feet. It's Curd and Law. Hosted by Sparky Fighter and Ryan Horvath. Hey, it's Sparky Fiverr, 1250 AM. The fan, along with our guy, Ryan Horvath, smiling and happy. It is Friday, which means college football's around the corner tomorrow. He's got NFL football on Sunday. Horvath's happy, happy place. Also, you can check him out, BetMGM tonight, weeknights, Monday through Friday, while you're watching the games. Another happy, happy place for Ryan Horvath. Saturday mornings, 8 a.m. Central, 9 a.m. Eastern tailgate to kick off, gets you ready for the college football games. You listen each and every week, and you make yourself some money. That's what I like to think. Uh, Ryan Horvath, uh, Packers, Vikings, you and I, completely different spots based on our text messages going back and forth uh, last night on this game. Yeah, I am you're I'm fearful that they're going to get blown out in this game. I'm very fearful of that. You are far more confident uh, in the Packers this game. So with that, let's start off with confident. What are you confident in in this Green Bay Packers team as we do confident, concerned, and curious? Pretty confident we're going to get a good effort on the defensive side of the ball if Jair Alexander does play in this game. Do we have a do we have an update as we record? We're recording a little bit earlier than we usually do. I don't, I don't believe he. I expect yeah, him to be out there, to be honest with you. I expect Devondre Campbell, hopefully, to be out there, and that's important. You know, the guy with the green dot that gets everybody lined up. Um, so those are two important players that come back. And the Packers always play Minnesota tough at Lambeau Field. I mean, we saw this last year. That wasn't a very good defense or a very good Packers team. I mean, they did kind of put things together the final couple of weeks of the season on both sides of the ball, but they completely shut down Justin Jefferson with Jair, with some safety help up top. And now there's no Justin Jefferson in this game. You know, their best option right now is a rookie in Jordan Addison, and I really like him. Loved him at USC, loved him at Pitt before that. But, you know, if Jair's back, I think they're going to be able to uh, contain him. And then it's K.J. Osborne. Hawkinson will probably go over his receptions. You should probably bet that if you're into sports betting. T.J. Hawkinson over receptions. Packers always filled by tight ends. But, you know, that'll be all underneath stuff. And then when the Vikings get into the red zone, it'll be about shutting them down, holding them the field goals, and then getting something going on the offensive side of the ball. But I am confident we get a good effort on the defensive side of the ball 
from the Green Bay Packers. And you know what, damn it, I'm confident that they're going to win this football game so much that I have $1,000 on it. I don't think Jair Alexander is going to play. Having said that, they asked Joe Barry uh, yesterday about, uh, is it going to be harder? This is from Ryan Wood's Twitter account, a Green Bay Press Gazette. Joe Barry asked if it's harder to match Jair Alexander when he doesn't know about his top cornerback's availability. He notes Justin Jefferson on the IR helps that quote that makes things a lot easier when 18 is not playing. When you're not facing a guy like him, that makes it easier. So I, I'm not I, I'm not sure he's playing. And Stokes, if you didn't, if you missed that one, uh, he yeah, showed up yeah, for yeah. a player two and then back to the IR with what? A hamstring injury. Four I'm plus. again, I'm so sick of this. Like they need to do an overhaul of that damn training staff. And there have been guys up there for a hundred years that should just be replaced and they should start over with that staff. It drives me absolutely nuts. Either way. So now if it's Rajul Douglas and a handful of others like Ballantyne and Valentine and all these other dudes that they got out there, I still am not fearful necessarily of that offense against our cornerbacks. That that That's not what concerns me. I'll get to what concerns me coming in a little bit. Confident. Not confident in much. Uh, I, I'll say I am confident uh, that Rashawn Gary gets two sacks in this game. Uh, against Kirk Cousins. Cousins doesn't really move and run all that much, whatever the case may be. More of a sitting duck a little bit. Rashawn Gary, you pointed out, I think, on the last podcast, he's got the highest uh, pressure rate, I think, per snaps or whatever it was uh, in the National Football League to this point. So yeah. he is he is playing really, really well right now. Um, and I don't see why that stops. So I'll say I'm confident Rashawn Gary gets a couple of uh, sacks uh, in this game. That's, 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 I guess, what I'll say is confident. Concerns. Ryan Horvat. Well, now I'm concerned about Jair Alexander. <laughs> uh, like you said, I did not practice on nope. Thursday. But, like, so he came back. He was at practice. He just didn't practice. Campbell was back at practice. Yeah, so I'm concerned about these injuries. Like you said, man, Stokes already on the IR. We only get four plays of Eric Stokes this season, so it's really hard to evaluate what he was going to be year three. Um, yeah, I mean, concerned about these injuries. Concerned that... I look at the box score, it's the second quarter, and Aaron Jones hasn't caught the football yet. Like, I don't want to hear about this pitch count like we talk about every week. Aaron Jones is not a type of running back, not the type of running back that could handle 15 to 20 carries. I get that. He's not Derrick Henry or Adrian Peterson, but you could use him like Elvin Kamara, right? Like, you could pop him out of the backfield. There's no reason he shouldn't have seven to ten receptions every single week. He's your best player. Yeah, but if they're worried about his hamstring, do they want him running routes? Well, then get Christian Watson more involved. There's no reason that he should finish with three catches. He's got to nope. stay on the field, I get. you know. Um, but that's what I'm concerned about. Injuries and then the offense finally showing me something creative. Kind of like I want to see what we saw week one against the Bears. Something different. I am concerned that this Packers offense is going to be owned by the Vikings defense. I'm concerned that Love's going to throw three more picks. I'm concerned that Love's going to get sacked three to five times. I'm concerned it's going to be a, a demolition from this Vikings defense. I'm concerned about this for multiple reasons. One, this offensive line is still just as bad as it was last week. This Vikings defense can get pressure. Hunter specifically can get pressure. That's yeah. a problem. Secondly, they show a lot of different things that maybe Love has not seen to this point. They'll show one thing and do another. And I think the, the, the chances of confusing these wide receivers into doing stuff they shouldn't be doing 
and love going one spot and the wide receiver not being there and not making the right adjustment or the wide receivers running the wrong routes and being confused by what they're seeing. That is what concerns me. I saved a quote here. Uh, You're going to love this because again, we talk about this team being young, trying to figure it out and it's going to be a process. This is from Tucker Craft. Zach Cruz uh, tweeted this out. I got a bunch of stuff from Zach uh, Cruz's Twitter account. It's from Paul Bridle's uh, story uh, uh, from the USA Today. Quote, second half, you've got about maybe 20 reps of their defense under your belt, said Kraft. You get the picture. You get to take advantage of what they've already given you. Looks, scheme, safety rotation. You get a clear picture into the second half about what they're doing. So that's why second half adjustments are always so pivotal in games. And maybe that's why we come out punching because we are familiar with the technique. Maybe we've already gotten the pressure and are familiar with it. That time, it's always different. If you have veterans coming in to a game, they realize quicker what is happening, right? They're able to go, okay, this is what they're trying to do to us. This is what we're going to do. When you got a bunch of young dudes trying to figure this out on a fly that have not seen much of anything in the NFL to this point, it takes them longer to figure it out. Now, I think it's fair to say, what are our coaches doing on the sidelines? The coaches should be helping to decipher this stuff and putting these guys and telling these guys into, you know, putting these guys in situations to be successful or whatever the case may be. But you can't run the routes for them. You can't block for them. They all have to, and you might tell them what they're supposed to do. And then Tucker Kraft gets out there and what the coaches tell them, okay, this is what you do in this situation. And it looks like a situation. And then it ends up not being that. It ends up being something else. And there goes a guy blowing by you that you didn't expect to be there. And then you're like, oh crap, where the hell did that come from? That's the type of stuff where they kind of got to learn on the job. And that's what the season was going to be about on offense. That's what it's been about on offense. Uh, and because of how these guys play defense and how they scheme it up, that's why I'm very concerned that this is going to be ugly on Sunday. I hope I'm wrong, though. God, do I hope I'm wrong. If you were a sports better, you would be with me. This is the right bet. In fact, like everybody I know that bets professionally and for a living loves the Packers. It's the number one bet. I know people that aren't even betting on other games because they love Green Bay in the spot so much. Really? Yeah, everybody's all hyped up about the Vikings because you just beat the 49ers. You know, here's the thing about the 49ers. You could talk like if you, if you don't know ball, if you don't watch football, you could talk about McCaffrey and Debo. Oh, is Brock Purdy the guy? None of this matters if Trent Williams isn't on that field. Correct. No other offensive lineman for the San Francisco 49ers is grading out above replacement level. Like, that's what I'm saying, man. Like, every team in the NFL, that's what I love about football so much. There is no perfect team. Nobody's perfect. That's why I don't want to hear these BS excuses from the Packers about them being young. I know that that's a young wide receiver room. Dude, Jordan Love's not young. He's yeah, not a young. He can't run the routes for him, Ryan. He, he can't do everything for them. He can he can read the defense and then make he's the throw where there. the guy's supposed to be. If he's not there, he's not there. He's got A.J. like final play of the game. Packers should have won that game last week. A.J. Dillon was wide open. You got to take what's given to you. That's your boy. You should know where he's at on the field. I'm not here to rip Jordan Love. Like the coaching staff, That's what, but that's my point, though. It's the coaching staff, right? It's like you watch the Texans, and they don't have a whole lot of talent. And C.J. Stroud is a lot younger than Jordan Love. He's a rookie. And he's throwing to Tank Dell and who else? Uh, I, I don't really like any of those guys. Brandon Cooks. So, um, no, wait. 
I'm losing my damn mind today, man. It's, it's okay. Nobody cares about the Texans other than you, so it's fine. Nobody cares that you don't know the Texans wide receivers. It's fine. It's it's okay. No, I do. Yeah. I, I do. Robert Woods, my God, Brandon. Another Cooks guy is, that can't stay healthy. Cooks is in Dallas. He wasn't. Yeah. He was with the Texans for years. Hold on though. But my my point is, is this does come down to coaching. You know, it's like. LaFleur, that's my point, though, man. Like, we watch these press conferences. We watch them at the podium. You know what I did because I have no life? I went back and looked at, and I'll send them on Twitter. Anybody that wants, like, everybody could go back and find them. Look at the way that Matt LaFleur used to look at Aaron Rodgers at practice. They'd be holding hands on the sideline. They had their secret handshake. It's like Brittany Mahomes and Taylor Swift right now. You know what I mean? Now you look at him, and he's like, I got to coach these guys. If he doesn't want to do the job, man, Get somebody in there that wants to coach a young team. Like, what did he expect? What did he expect when Brian Gudikins a couple years ago, and this goes back to it, man. Like, here's the problem with the Green Bay Packers. And you guys were talking about this on the big show for years, though, right? Russ Ball, money guy. Mark Murphy, team president. Brian Gudikins, general manager. Here's where it's, like, cute and fun that we all have pieces of paper calling us owners, but maybe, like, this is where we get screwed because – This is why we don't get guys like Odell Beckham Jr. This is why we don't make trades for Tony Gonzalez for a third-round pick or Randy Moss. Granted, that would have been for Aaron Rodgers. But you get what I'm saying. And it's like, because I bring up like, I hate this roster. I hate these draft picks. So I think Gutekinds is no good at his job. I don't think he's a good talent evaluator at the college level. I think I'd be better. I really mean that. Uh, And like, does he watch the games or does he just draft the kids from Georgia? Does he just watch the college football playoff and take hey, those? Philly drafts everybody from Georgia. It's worked. It's worked out for Philly. They draft nothing but Georgia guys. Yeah, they're right guys. Not the guy <laughs> that it's like he's a head case. But um, but like okay, so I brought this up the other day. I'm like, this talent sucks, you know. And guys on Twitter, they're like, Murphy didn't uh, or Gutekinds didn't hire Lafleur. And that's correct. Yeah, it was Murphy yeah, hired him. Yeah. This yep. is my point, Spark. Is like, were LaFleur and Goot on the same page in that draft a couple of years ago? Because yes. everybody says yes. I say no. Well, then what the hell is like, what did LaFleur expect? He was LaFleur? always going to have to coach this team. He was Orion. always going to have to coach this team. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Put, put LaFleur back. Okay, let's go back to that day when that happens, right? And they draft Jordan Love. Rodgers wasn't Rodgers MVP Rodgers coming off those last couple of years. LaFleur, I'm sure, was under the impression for Murphy and Goot that, look, he's about done. This is it. So we have to draft somebody. You're going to have him for a year or two because it looks like he's run his course, and then we're going to play Jordan Love. 
So let's get a guy that you like in here. Okay, fine. Woo, yay, all right. I got the guy I wanted. Great. It'll take a couple of years, but we got a couple of years. But then what happened? Rodgers and the revenge tour happened. And he's playing at an MVP level. And now Matt LaFleur gets to know him a little bit and realizes how damn good he is. Remember, he was coming off of Marcus Mariota in Tennessee. That was the quarterback that he had to call plays for in Tennessee. He goes from Mariota to Aaron freaking Rodgers, and you're going, whoo, it's nice calling plays for this dude. Even if he doesn't listen to half of what I say, it's making me look good. And he didn't want to lose that because he knows once Rodgers, now at that high level, leaves and he has to start over with Jordan Love, remembering what Mariota was like of, oh, my God, this is going to suck. And then not only do I have Jordan Love, he probably also wasn't anticipating his GM surrounding Jordan Love with a bunch of old young dudes. Like if you would have told LaFleur, OK, Jordan Love's going to sit for three years, but I'm going to have Devonte with him. I'm going to have Lazard and Cobb with him. Jones and Dylan are going to be in the backfield. I'm going to get you a veteran tight end that doesn't suck. Then I think LaFleur feels better about things, right? He gets Devontae to throw to. He'll help Love out. He has two other veterans that'll help him. I think LaFleur's like, okay, we're going to be good. We can still win this division with that. But instead of doing that, Goody says, to hell with all that, we're going to tear this thing down to the studs on offense and rebuild it back up over two or three years. And LaFleur looks at it and goes, I'm screwed. There's no way I'm going to be able to win a bunch of games with this. And now he's turning gray trying to figure out how he's going to win games. Aaron Jones just did an interview on a local TV station. I forgot which one it was. I apologize. On a local TV station. And Jones said, to, he said, to the fans, I just need y'all to stick with us. Like, we knew this was going to be ups and downs this year. We're in a down. We're about to be on and up again. Just stick with us. Uh, and let's let's get us all through this. So he's pleading to the fans to kind of just hang in there. It's not over yet. We still have the division sites and our hopes uh, in their sites. Jones says that's still there. Like all their offseason goals are still there. Nothing is, you know, been tossed in the garbage can yet based on their record. So we'll see. But that's why I think the difference with LaFleur is what LaFleur got versus what LaFleur thought before coaching Aaron Rodgers are two. Compl- Remember, that was COVID. So. They, he had not really officially, I don't think, ever shook Rogers' hand or anything. It was all on Zoom and everything else and yeah. really didn't know what the hell he was getting. All right, a couple things, right? Because, um, and you could clip this. These down years that you guys talk about for Aaron Rodgers would be Jordan Love's best seasons as a pro. This down year, 2019, Aaron Rodgers, over 4,000 yards passing, 26 touchdowns, four picks, a QB rating of 95.4. Love's on, pace for, Love's on pace for 28 touchdowns right now. Yeah, is he going to – how many – he threw more picks almost in one game than Rodgers did. No, no, no. Pace. He's on pace for 28 touchdowns and 20 interceptions. The last time somebody threw 20 interceptions – in fact, I have that saved uh, as well. The last time somebody threw 20 interceptions was 2019 when Jameis yeah, Winston 30. threw, threw 30, 30, Baker 30. Mayfield 21, and Phillip Rivers 20 that year. That was the last time. I know this stuff off the top of my head because I'm a genius. All right, so these down years for Aaron Rodgers. Oh, here's another down year. 25 touchdown passes, two interceptions, a QBR of 97.6, 4,442 yards, a completion percentage of 62%. Last year, the down year for Aaron Rodgers, God, he sucked. 3,695 passing yards, 26 touchdowns to 12 picks. Most picks he's thrown ever, 12 picks. All right, so here's why... I will argue, all right, let me actually, let's play a game here, right? Um, who's the best quarterback in the NFC, in your opinion, really quick? 
I don't like any of them. Jalen Hurts is regressive, it feels it's like. Good, but, but, but let's go there. Just Jalen Hurts is who you brought up first, he's been right? throwing picks so left and Nobody right. wants to hear me bring up T. Higgins in the 2020 draft, right? You needed a quarterback because Rodgers was coming off a down year. So you move up to draft Jordan Love in the first round. You pass on T. Higgins. That's okay. I'm over that. Who no, goes? Who goes pick 53 in that draft in the second round? Oh, the best quarterback in the NFC. Jalen Hurts. So your talent evaluator, Brian Gutekinds, who you guys all want to carry water for. Again, he passes on T. Higgins. That's fine. You don't need a playmaker for Aaron Rodgers, even though you're coming off an NFC championship game. And you just extended him for four years. You couldn't get off that deal that year anyway. Get him some help. Get that defense some help. You just gave up over 300 yards on the ground, 260 of them to a third string running back. Jimmy Garoppolo beat you by dropping back nine times. Kyle Shanahan, that's Matt LaFleur's best buddy. He pantsed him in front of the entire world. And then he did it again a couple years later. So my problem is, man, is like Gutekinds, like these draft picks on defense, Lucas Van Ness, I don't see anything from. I know he's a rookie and you could say, and I liked Rashawn Gary though. I didn't hate that pick. I'm just saying, I, man, like I, I don't think he's very good at evaluating talent in the draft. And if he was, and you guys love Jordan love and he needed a quarterback, why didn't you just wait and grab Jalen hurts? Cause I hate to say this, is this a hot take? Jalen hurts is going to have a better career than Jordan love. Here's a hot take revisionist history. A majority of this league thought Jalen hurts sucked after the first year in the NFL and said, Oh boy, they better find somebody else. Cause he ain't the dude. That was a mistake. And then he blossomed in year two. And then everybody's like, oh, yeah, I was all on Jalen Hurts. Ain't nobody was on Jalen Hurts. Nobody. After that first year, nobody thought he was any good. And in year two is when he took off. Yet with Jordan Love, after six games, everybody's like, ah, he sucks. It's over. Go get somebody else. Jalen Hurts sucked for that whole year he got to start. And nobody thought he was going to turn into what he was. Now what's happening? Now he's starting to look more like first-year Jalen Hurts than he has the last couple of years. And Shane Sykin is no longer there as offensive coordinator. So we'll see. We'll see how many interceptions Jalen Hurts ends up ends up with. Because what is he at now? Seven, eight, nine? Something like that? I we'll mean, see his interception. playing in, in, in an NFC championship game, though. And who well, ends he probably up? probably will. Jalen Hurts is the most really good. Possible player in the National Football League. They're going to have to change a rule against him. I, this is nonsense. Goot can't talent. He can't evaluate talent. I'll stick by that. I don't care. Come at me all day, Goot gang. Don't care. I win. Oh. Okay, well, I, they just lost to the Raiders and Broncos. Horvat won, you guys zero. Right, but I don't think it's fair necessarily. You can't judge this offense for at least two more years to see what these wide receivers and tight ends two turn into. Years. Then, then we'll have an idea. You can judge what he's done previous to this. That's fine. I'm just saying this offense and what he put around Love. Now, if these guys don't pan out in two or three years, then he's gone. Lafleur is gone. Love's gone, and the whole thing is an F. And you win, Horvat. You win. But if in two I years. This offense is together and they're in a conference championship game. Then you're going to have to say, okay, I was wrong. Goody can't evaluate talent. The offense is pretty good. And I hope that day comes because I'm a Green Bay Packer fan and I want Jordan Love to be Super Bowl MVP. I want him to be better than Rodgers and Favre combined, man. But it's just, I don't see it. And with Jalen Hurts, I do see it. And it's just like people want to bring up that my T. Higgins take is lazy. All right, well, I'll start with this one. And I don't think there's a soul out there on the planet that would take Jordan Love over Jalen Hurts. And okay, right. So, Spark, you're saying we thought Jalen Hurts sucked. We did this. We did this. Okay, well, we're not telling you. We're, that's why we're not general managers of a football team, man. That's like like Howie and like the Eagles, they kill it. 
You know what I mean? And we don't. We have Darnell Savage on the field. No, no, no. Right? My point is that Howie Roseman doesn't know how to do his job. My point is Lancaster and Dean Lowry. Yes, these are not winning players. That's all I'm saying. Is maybe it is Goo, or maybe it is Lafleur, or maybe it's Murphy, or maybe all three of them are idiots. Could be. Yeah, very well. Could be. No doubt. I'm just saying from the aspect of from a fan base of the Packers that are sitting here, those that think Jordan Love is horrible, he's never going to be any good on six games. I'm just reminding you, there have been other quarterbacks that have sucked their first year as a starter and have come back and been okay later on, like Peyton Manning was complete trash. Uh, And if Peyton Manning would have been the quarterback for the Packers this year, being as bad as he was that first year in Indy, Packer fans would have cut Peyton Manning and said, good luck to you. You're horrible. We're moving on. Everybody's just got to relax and take a breath and let this thing play out. Like, let's see as they figure out how to run routes correctly and everything else, what this looks like. All right. What are you curious about heading into this game, Ryan? I'm curious. (laughs) Um, I mean, I'm curious what the plays look like, to be honest with you. I brought this up on the last podcast. I thought the last one we did was really good because I went back then and I watched every single game and I brought up because it was late in the pod, the article, you know, about Aaron Rodgers using more play action in 2020 second year of LaFleur. That's when he had that just ridiculous season. I mean, both MVP seasons were a lot of fun, but the first one, he threw, what, like 48 touchdown passes, man. So I want to see more play action. I mean, you're right. Like, I'm not just throwing Jordan Love under the bus. I'm more throwing LaFleur and Gutekinds under the bus. Like, help this kid out. Get him some talent. Because, like I said in BetMGM the other night, man, Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson, Jaden Reed, they're all fine young players. But those are number threes, number fours on any other team except for maybe the Kansas City Chiefs. And Patrick Mahomes isn't quarterback in the Green Bay Packers. So that, you know, I I wish that he had more help. But also, these kids can make plays, but you have to put them in the right spots and you have to scheme them open. You know, LaFleur comes from the same tree as Shanahan and as McVay. Like, how talented is that Rams team? I mean, yeah, they got Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford, but like Puka and Tutu, who the hell knew who the hell those – nobody knew who those guys were before week one. But you know why they look good? Because Sean McVay is scheming those guys open. And you know what? I don't want to hear the nonsense and the excuses for LaFlower anymore either. Sean McVay just got married. He's got an Instagram beautiful model wife, you know, and he's still showing up at the office. He just had a kid. Guy's probably getting no sleep. And I watch the Rams, and they're fun, even when they're losing. They're covering spreads. They're creative, you know, and that's not a very talented team. And McVay could have got a lot of money to go to the broadcast booth, but instead he came back to coach that team. So I don't want to see mopey-ass LaFleur anymore. We finally get rid of mopey-ass Rodgers, and now we got emo coach. That is not an NFL – that is not how you behave as an NFL coach, man. That's bad body language. It's like Aaron Rodgers rubbed off on him, isn't it? Like, or or am I crazy? But do you ever, like, see LaFleur, like, firing a guy up, going over, hugging Jordan Love? We saw that a little bit the first couple weeks, right? But now that things have got tough, I feel like he's kind of, like, running away. It is – by far the most emotional Matt LaFleur I've ever seen. Yeah, to your okay. point of rah-rahing guys, no, I don't see that. 1,000%. Oh. But I do see a lot more yelling and screaming and carrying on on the sidelines than we've ever seen before because things aren't going right. With Rodgers, oh, you never okay. really got to see that. With Rodgers, it was just kind of chill the whole time, right? High five, Aaron, good job, whatever. That was it. He never really got pissed. Now you're seeing him get visibly pissed. Like, what the F was he doing? Or you can see him getting mad about situations not going right because he knows 
He's got an ego, right? He knows this crappy offense reflects on him, and people like you are going to take shots at him because the young receivers aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. Love's not doing what he's supposed to be doing. His offensive line sucks. Like, all of that, and it's going to come down to, oh, it must be the head coach. It's not everybody else's fault. So that's what he's got on his shoulders at this point, and that's why he's getting so pissed off and emotional about this whole thing. I also agree with what you said in the past, where at press conferences, when they would lose, he looked like he was visually about to cry. It looked like he was going to start tearing up and crying. And I think maybe he was scared of Rodgers. I'm not really quite sure what that was all about. Maybe I had something to do with 12. But either way, even if it didn't, he definitely looked that way. I don't feel that the way this year. We're no longer in cry mode. Now we're in I'm pissed off all the time mode. And I'm sick of having to deal with this crap week in and week out. And yeah, it is what it is. Like I said, he's being tested as much as these young guys are as far as his character and how he handles situations. He's never been in this situation ever in his career, as far as I know, and now he's having to deal with it. Oh, really quick on that. I hate to be like, oh, my buddy's best friends with somebody on the coaching staff, but that is the case, and I hate to be like, oh, I got the inside information, and I don't like at all. Go ahead. Um, But I did hear, because I always ask about Aaron and LaFleur's relationship, that LaFleur wasn't a complete pushover. Like He'd go back at Aaron, and if anything, like Aaron a lot of the times would be like, screw it, we'll do it your way. That way wouldn't work. Aaron would go off the, on the sideline. That's why Eric, Aaron would get pissy. That's why Aaron was kind of like losing trust a little bit. It started with the Tampa game being taken off the field, even though it may have been the right decision because he kept forcing the damn ball to Devontae Adams. Yep. Goes back to drafting T. Higgins. But no, I mean, and that's the thing. I don't want to come on here and just like rag on Matt LaFleur because I really like LaFleur. I like Jordan Love. I want these guys to be good. But it's hard to be positive when you lose to the Broncos and when you lose yeah. to the Raiders. You know what I'm saying? So you kind of got to call a spade a spade and – I want to see something this week because this is a rivalry game and this is against Minnesota and they're not a good football team. I don't care that they've won a couple games. They're a terrible defense. Terrible defense. This has to be a Jordan Love get right spot. So that's what I'm curious about. Can you go out there and look like the dude we saw week one, week two, six touchdowns, no picks? Or are you this guy that's going to make me regret not uh, drafting Jalen Hurts? Yeah, that's I, I think it's going to be ugly, but we'll see. Uh, okay, let's go to the next one. Stats of the week. Zach Cruz, you're my man. I, I, I've never been able to interview you because I can't seem to get a hold of you. But uh, he, this dude has all kinds of numbers every week, and I just go to his Twitter account and we take some of them. Uh, okay, so let's, how about this? Uh, the Packers have 17 negative runs, not including kneel downs in six games. That's almost three negative runs a game. That can't be very good compared to the rest of the National Football League. And that goes back to the offensive line being horrible at this point. Now, a bright spot, as Zach Cruz points out, is Zach Tom. Pro Football Focus is number nine overall offensive tackle in 2023. Tom hasn't allowed a sack, and he's the seventh best run blocker among offensive tackles. He literally, in my opinion, is the only really good football player on that offensive line as we currently speak, because Elton Jenkins can't be put in there. Uh, Let's see here. Pro Football Focus had the Packers with 13 missed tackles on defense in that last game, Ryan. 13 missed tackles. We could all yell and scream about Joe Barry this and Joe Barry that. Dude, if you're missing 13 tackles, I don't care if it's Rex Ryan as the defensive coordinator or anybody else. You're going to make your defensive coordinator look horrible if you can't tackle the opposing player. Like, that that's horrible. 13 yeah. missed tackles in a game? Yeah, dude, and Spark, this is where I'm saying, man, like, it's so easy just to blame Joe Barry. And, yeah, and, like, Joe Barry's not good at his job. Joe Barry has no business being on the sidelines in the box. He should be the defensive coordinator at Arrowhead. You know, I mean, seriously. But 
All that to say, this goes back to Goop. Like, these guys can't tackle. They miss so many tackles. And if it's not his draft picks, then it's his free agent signings or his practice squad signings. You got to hit on these guys. You know, that's what I'm saying. Maybe Goot needs to hire somebody. Maybe that's what I should be doing. I mean, I don't have a contract next year yet. Maybe I should be the talent talent evaluator. I'm not good at many things in life, but I'm good at watching college football. And you can check my rate other than Josh Rosen, who I only liked because he had a hot tub in his dorm room and he was just bringing hot chicks over. And I was like, and possibly you may have possibly missed on Justin Fields. No, no, I think, though, I'm right on Justin Fields, where if he was in San Francisco, don't you think he could be doing what Purdy's doing, maybe at a better better level? Like, if he went to San Fran? I think Jordan Love was in San Francisco with a whole veteran team around him. And that's what I'm saying, man. Like, Jordan Love needed to play right away. Jordan Love can't be, like, learning how to play football at age 25 years old. I'm not a Jordan Love hater. I think the kid's got – I love, like, a lot of the throws he makes. His old college coach follows me on Twitter – I talk to him all the time. He like the arm angles. He, there's a reason why like teams wanted to draft Jordan Love. He just wasn't meant for the Packers to sit for three, four years. Those guys have to play right away. If Jalen Hurts, there's another great example. If he sat for four years, he probably wouldn't be Jalen Hurts. It's so easy like to say, well, Rodgers sat behind Favre. Yeah, I mean, you don't see that a whole lot. You know what I mean? Like Andrew Luck didn't sit behind anybody. Peyton Manning didn't sit behind anybody. These guys have to learn. And the way that you learn is live game reps, not a couple preseason snaps, not by sitting with a clipboard. Oh, Rogers learned not to do this because Favre did it a lot. Yeah, sure. But I mean, that's not really going to help you. You got to get, you got to get out there. Even, you know, we were going back and forth on that with Anthony Richardson. You thought maybe he should sit this year, or maybe that was me and a shoe that were going back and forth on that. And I wanted to see him right away. And I'm glad we did because I figured out, Hey, he could play a little bit. He's just got to learn how to protect himself, slide, get out of bounds. Like Aaron Rodgers tells all these kids. I actually have some notes on the offensive line really quick. But with the defense, that's what I'm saying. That's why I blame Goot for this product, man. Not just Joe Barry. But the offensive line, pro football focus, dropped him three spots. They're down to 14. Zach Tom, I wanted to bring him up, but you already stole that. He's awesome. Um, a clean sheet. Didn't give up a single pressure on 35 dropbacks week seven. Rashid Walker, on the other hand, sucks. my former co-host, Quentin Mayo, that's his best friend, you know. Uh, he allowed a pressure on 2.4% of pass plays his first two starts. He's horrible. He's best rate among tackles. He's given up pressure on 9.6% of his reps in the game since then. 53rd at his position. So that's a huge drop-off. And then you brought up Elton Jenkins. Um, five pressures over his last two games. The most for him over a two-game span since week four of the 2022 season. Dude, he's not... He again, I think he's still hurt. I, I don't think he's healthy. I don't think he should be out there, but Jenkins, that is. She Walker just isn't good. Period. John Runyon's not good. We, we know that as well. Uh Myers. <laughs> Myers. So Stenovich uh came out and said uh Myers uh is, you know, one of the best five best offensive linemen they have, and he's playing the best of his career to this point. Okay. I, I mean, I I don't know what everybody else is watching or what he's watching, but he disagrees with simply everybody else that's watching the the film of the Green Bay Packers that he's so good. So if that's the case, then he's staying at center and Tom's staying at right tackle. And we're going to run these same five guys out there again. And that is why I'm concerned about this game. Y'all I'm telling you very, very concerned about this Vikings game. Uh, Okay. Time for uh, Ryan's college and pro picks because it is Friday. This is the, why the man is paid by the BetQL radio network because the man knows what he is talking about. Would you like to start with college or would you like to start with the pros, Ryan Horvath? 
Let's talk with college, but really quick, I had to check that on Josh Myers for you. So he's played 364 snaps, the 21st ranked center, but he doesn't commit a lot of penalties. He's second there, or he's only got two this year. He's tied for 12th, and then he's only given up one sack. So he is top 10 there, but uh, yeah, I- I'm kind of with you. I don't really love he's what I He's 21st see. in the NFL among centers. So there's yeah. 10, no, 11 centers better or worse than him. Uh, So actually, so center with at least 20%. Of the yes, okay, so yeah, like there's there's yeah, 21st among right. qualifiers. Gotcha. Okay, go ahead. So not great. Yeah, outside the top 20. And how many teams are there? 32. 32. Yep. All right, Man, I graded as hey, this guy's the 20th best out of 32 at his job. Let's <laughs> give him a race. Give him a uh, race. Let's go to college, actually. And let's go to um man. I kind of like Ohio State against the Badgers. To be honest with you, I'm a little bit worried about this game. Uh, all right, a couple. I like the under in Boston College, UConn at 50 and a half. I don't think we get a whole lot of scoring in that game. Uh, I like the under in North Texas, Memphis. That's at 68 and a half. I don't really want to give reasonings on those. I do want to talk about this really quick. I'm going to play Michigan State plus seven on the road against Minnesota. Minnesota finally beat Iowa. I called that last week. That's the first time PJ Flex ever beat Iowa. He was 0-6. They hadn't beat them in 25 plus years. And now everybody's hyping up Minnesota a little bit. Michigan State, they got blown out last week against Michigan, but that's just because Michigan's the best team in the country, and they're a bunch of thieves stealing signs. Yep. So I think, though, I like Berger. Didn't really love him at Wisconsin, but I like him in this Michigan State offense. He's averaging about five yards per carry. They got two good running backs, and the defense is decent enough. So I, keep, I think they keep this game close. I like Michigan State plus seven. Everybody that I know is betting Utah now that it's got to six and a half. I still like the Ducks. Bo Nix is completing 80% of his passes. Utah has a really good defense, a real home field advantage, but this isn't the Cam Rising, you know, Brett Keithy, Utah team. I don't know that they're going to be able to score enough points to hang with a team like Oregon. I still think Oregon's the best team in the Pac-12, and I think the style of offense Oregon plays, you know, this phone booth style offense, dinking and dunking down the field, is the way to beat Utah, actually. If you go back week one, Graham Mertz was like 22 of 26 passing against Utah. Reason being, everything Graham Mertz throws is – you know, at the line of scrimmage, a bubble screen, you know, one to one to nine yards. So I think that's what we'll get from the Ducks. So I like Oregon, even though the number's at six and a half. And then one more in college that I like. Um, I'm going to go with Florida, plus 14 and a half. This is a little bit scary. Georgia probably wins the game, but rivalry game. Um, Carson Beck is averaging 300 passing yards a game. He's actually been pretty good. But if you look historically – Georgia quarterbacks making their first start in this rivalry game, I believe, are one and eight. That goes back to like Jake Fromm days for Georgia. So Graham Mertz is playing pretty good football right now. I saw you tweet about that. The reason he looks so good, though, is um, that system, they've like completely kind of like babied him, but he does look good. He's completing balls. Uh, they can run the ball a little bit. I think Florida keeps this game close, and I think that it's going to be like a little bit of an adjustment period for Georgia because they lost Brock Bowers for the rest of the regular season. I think he's the best non-quarterback on the offensive side of the ball in all of college football, and that's even with Marvin Harrison. Brock Powers is is awesome. I wanted to see him win Heisman, so that sucks. NFL, I got a big one. I love the Packers. I mean, even if Jair's not back out there, if Justin Jefferson's playing in this game, I stay away. And I know Jordan Addison's been really good, but now you have a full week to prepare. You're coming off two really bad losses. I mean, anywhere else, LaFleur's probably hearing some rumblings. I have an inside source that tells me, and it's probably not going to happen, if the Chargers lose to the Bears spark, Staley's packing his bags Monday. He's out. I think that makes sense. 
Kellen Moore's taking over as interim head coach. I don't want Matt LaFleur to ha- like be on the hot seat. Guy won 13 games three consecutive years. Last year was a game away from missing the playoffs. But there's got to be some pressure for them to play much better, look much better about uh, against this Vikings team. So I like the Packers. I took them on the money line. They are plus one and a half right now. I think they win the game outright. I like the Cowboys, six and a half point favorites against the Rams. Stafford's been great this year, but Stafford is one of the worst quarterbacks in the league when he's under pressure. Cowboys have the best pass rush win rate in the league. Micah Parsons is going to get home. I think Stafford throws a couple picks in this game. I like the fighting Tobies, the Commanders, plus seven against the Eagles. Can't believe we're getting a full touchdown. The Commanders always play the Eagles tough. Should have beat them if Riverboat Round would have went for two a couple weeks ago. So I took them plus seven. And then last one in the NFL that I'll give out for now because the number is still decent. Uh, I like the Baltimore Ravens, nine and a half point favorites against the Arizona Cardinals. Um, even if Kyler does decide to play in this game, I think Bar- uh, Sparky, I think the Ravens might be the best team in the AFC. I just bet Lamar to win MVP plus 700. Everything I wanted to see is what we're seeing. It's like the Louisville offense 2.0, four wide receiver sets, three wide receiver sets. When Lamar is running the ball and he's staying in the pocket more this year, he's running into light boxes and the defense is getting pressure. Secondary is getting a little bit healthier. I like the Ravens a lot. I would like, uh, to point out that there is a rumbling going around of the Ravens trading for Derrick Henry. Yep. If the Ravens get Derrick Henry, oh boy, AFC, good luck. Because that that there, with John Harbaugh and doing what they're doing uh, with that offense, it, it could be interesting. I, I forgot to throw this out here stats-wise uh, to you from the last game from Zach Cruz. Jordan Love, in a clean pocket, clean pocket, last game, 13 of 20 for 73 yards, touchdown and interception were kept clean, 13 of 20. Uh, or maybe this is for the year. I think this might be for the year. Uh, 12 for 22 uh, with no play action for 90 yards and an interception. That's also not good. Uh, now, here are the two good stats. Under pressure, he's 8 of 11 for 107 yards and a touchdown. And off of play action, 9 for 9 for 90 yards and two touchdowns off of play action. And that goes back to what you were saying earlier about the play action. You said that in the last podcast as well. That's I forgot to read that one. I'm not sure why I missed that one. But uh, yeah, so I wanted to make that point up. Uh, to a couple of things you said. One, um, I'll be shocked if the Badgers can keep it within 14 points against Wisconsin or against Ohio yeah. State. What's the spread in that game? 14 and a half now. If it got down to 14, I'd bet oh, Ohio right. State. I, I, I like Ohio State in the game. Yes, correct. 1,000%. Yeah, I don't see any way that, that they're keep, they keep this close. Okay. Um, two, the Graham Mertz thing on CBS Sports, if you have a chance to read that article, I tweeted it out. As a Badger fan, it's just depressing. It just really is. Like, And, and somebody tweeted at me, and it's like the second or third time somebody's tweeted at me every time I bring up Graham Mertz is, well, he's got more talent. And he tweeted back and said, okay, listen. Yes, he has more talent in Florida. Okay, but 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 think about it from this perspective. When the Badgers were in the Big Ten with Mertz, they had more talent or even talent than everybody they faced in the Big Ten outside of Ohio State and probably Michigan for the most part. Every other game they faced, Rutgers, Maryland, Northwestern, all these, Iowa, they either had even talent or better talent than the teams they were playing, and he still sucked. So that, to me, when you look at Florida and the SEC, they're probably in more situations where the other teams actually have better talent than them than probably what happens with Wisconsin in the Big Ten. So that, to me, that washes each other, each other out. Yes, he has better players, but because of the talent you're facing, I think it washes itself out. It's coaching. Period. End of story. I don't want to hear anything else. Like, that is on Paul Chris and that offensive coaching staff 
because he went there and it says in the article about how beaten down he was because of Badger social media, just absolutely torn apart. And the reason he left was because he said there was no way I was ever going to win back that fan base. It was done. There was no coming back from how that fan base thought, thought about me. So he left because of you Badger fans. That's why he got up and got the hell out of town. Fickle didn't want him out. He just didn't want to deal with it anymore. Said, I'm out. See you later. But that comes with the expectations and everything else. Just pisses me off. Because I love that kid coming out, if you remember. Um, and then he sucked. Everyone's like, oh, Sparky, you were wrong. You were wrong. And now here he is at Florida just balling. I just, oh, no, it pisses me really off. Really quick on that. Uh, you're, you're completely right. That's the correct take. It comes down to coaching, man. Billy Napier is doing his best coaching job. And Florida was only projected to win five and a half games this season. Yep. They're five and two, man. And they're not a bad football team. And the talent, as crazy as this sounds, because it's Florida, and that's also a really good take. Like, look at the teams he's seeing, man. He's seeing better defenses. He's getting rid of the ball quicker. He's not trying to push the ball down the field. That's not Graham Mertz. It is. Like, Paul Chris, I think, ruined him, man. Almost ruined him. And now they're kind of fixing him. He's not a pro quarterback, but he should have been what we thought he was going to be at Wisconsin. Yep. Like, yeah, you're not going to beat Ohio State. You're not going to beat Michigan. I mean, I'm a Notre Dame fan, man. And, like, they could have whatever they want, and they can't beat these teams either. So, 10 wins, though, is fun. Going to the Big Ten title game is fun. And, uh, yeah, they screwed up with Graham Mertz. I think he is a lot better than projected. Man, now you got me pissed off and ticked off. Jordan loves nine for nine off play action. Yeah. I didn't even know that. See, everybody in the world knows with a young quarterback, you use play action. It is weird yep. that he's better under pressure than from a clean pocket. And the only, like, 70 yards from a clean pocket's a little scary. That's what worries me about Jordan Love. And he's, the like, other better thing. Yeah. The other thing, Kurt Warner came out, uh, what was it, Wednesday or whatever, talking about everybody getting on Jordan Love pretty much to go watch the tape. He said outside of like two plays at the end of the game where he clearly missed wide open guys, outside of that, Warner was like, tell me what else he did wrong in that game of where he could have went with the ball that he didn't go with the ball. So, you know, A.J. Dillon was one of the plays. And then there was one other play where I think he had somebody open that he didn't throw the ball to, made a bad decision. But outside of that, Warner was like, there's not much you can do here. Uh, and then you watch quarterback, school, and all these other guys. A lot of them are saying he's pretty much screwed at, at this point with what's around him. So we'll just have to wait and see how this plays out. Vikings game scares the hell out of me. Uh, all right, y'all. Have a good one. We will be back on Monday. He is Ryan Horvath. Catch him tomorrow morning, Saturday mornings, 8 a.m. Central, 9 a.m. Eastern on your local BetQL radio affiliates. Catch it on 1250 a.m. The Fan here in Milwaukee. We carry BetQL on Saturday and Sundays, in case you didn't know. You can follow me on uh, Twitter at Sparky Radio. Check out all the interviews I do up at 1250amthefan.com. Just interview Chad Brown. Ryan Horvath, the former Steelers outside linebacker. He's in the booth uh, for the Badger Ohio State game coming up on Saturday. So you can go listen to that as well on your Odyssey app or over at 1250amthefan.com. Enjoy the rest of your day. Enjoy your weekend. Have a good one. Toodles. 